0: Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips, and much more, and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome, out.
1: To 100 women in insurance podcast I'm very glad you're here. We met for LinkedIn and connected for LinkedIn. We had a coffee at the bottom of Lloyd's building. We are now recording in Lloyd's building um day two days after the new laws have been sort of uh, set up so um I had a quick browse before I came up here <laughs> um, the, big the, the big reveal exactly. Uh, so thank you for that. I got to at least see the new floor. Um, I'm really pleased you're here. For those who don't know you, please give us a bit of a quick interview uh, introduction into who you are and what you do. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, my name is Emma Smith.
2: I'm a property underwriter at a Lloyd's syndicate called Atrium. Um, I've been in the insurance market for over 20 years, um, having recently celebrated my 10 year anniversary with Atrium. Um, I actually am quite unique in that I'm in a job share, um, and I think one of the only job shares in the Lloyd's London market um, in an underwriting position. Um, and I've been lucky enough to kind of spend some time working abroad as well. So I've actually worked in,
1: as well as London, Singapore. That's so thank amazing. You for having me on. <laughs> I'm really pleased because when I heard about you and, and you've mentioned the job share in Singapore, and I was like, oh, how do I make it into one episode? <laughs> so um, because it's so interesting and. If anyone is listening and they are going, no, I'm in a job share as well. Please let us know because oh, we we we're be in. Yeah. yeah we are <laughs> like we're looking for you. <laughs> we definitely are. <laughs> so let us know. Um, okay, so we I always start this podcast with a same question, which is insurance career choice or a chance. And I know the spoiler of this. Alert! There's a big spoiler alert there. Spoiler alert. there please start.
2: Um, it is a great question and one that obviously gets asked quite a lot. um I I chose to come into insurance, and I will probably put it out there that I think I might be one of the only people that you get on your podcast that actually studied insurance at university. um Yeah, I actually chose it as as a degree to um to study, so it was definitely um, a choice. I I was a 16 year old that actually knew when I was 16 that I wanted to be in insurance. And, um, and it's quite a funny story that, um, my dad um, used to bring home old car rating guides, like the old motor car rating guides. You'd never see any of them now because it's all obviously right. computer driven algorithm, algorithms and things. And then, yeah, we used to play insurance as kids where we'd go through a rating guide and choose a car and work out how much our insurance premium would be. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> you were made
2: for them, stuff. That I really happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love insurance. I studied at university. Um, and ended up always wanting to work in kind of in in the London Lloyds
0: insurance market
2: so um, what yeah. so what was the actual degree the degree at the time was insurance and investment Um I think it's now insurance and risk analysis maybe it's I think the actual title name has changed but yeah it was insurance and investment and um, so I clearly obviously as a 16 17 year old thought I knew everything there was to learn about insurance <laughs> and that um that I'd fly like, just pass my degree with flying colours, and then learn, um, learn a little bit about investment along the way. But, um, but yeah, no, um, and obviously, little did I know how much there was to know
1: about insurance, and it wasn't just motor and rating guys. So. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably in today's world, you have the least amount to do with motor. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. It definitely. Um, but it is an exciting. It's an exciting industry, and one that I'm very, very excited to have been to have well to be involved in. Yeah, and so talk me through sort of you joining insurance industry how what's that first role and you know we will deep dive into you moving abroad I have loads of questions about that um but just kind of that that journey of you starting and then making to where you are now
2: yeah so I started my career um, at a reinsurance company um called Genry which is a direct reinsurance company Um I started on Probably at that time it was kind of similar to their grad scheme. They took in twenty um underwriters to join uh, across the globe. And um, mm-hmm. we studied for three months in Dallas, Texas, learning oh, wow. the ins and outs of insurance and reinsurance. Um so the, yeah, there was fourteen on my class, um, seven international and seven from the US. So um so
1: yeah, it was it was an exciting that's a, time. That's a really good I wonder if there are that many programs like because I remember when I was looking into insurance, this would have been 20 years ago. Um, Swiss Re had this program where you could join as a grad, and it was every six months you got to go to another country and you got to get experience like um, and learn and as well study, and there's quite a few, and you do this rotation. I was like, "Whoa, this yeah. is brilliant. I didn't get in. Um, <laughs> I didn't get into any grad scheme actually in, in insurance um, that's why I went into hospitality for a little bit (laughs) anyway um that sounds like a wonderful opportunity so then you came back to UK so yeah Yeah.
2: it was an amazing opportunity because we had underwriters coming in to teach us um and which was fantastic um and obviously bonded as a kind of as a class of um 14 of us and so yeah then came back to the UK and, and then started as an underwriter you got given a great deal of responsibility, but along with it, a great amount of accountability as well. And it was just great because you were looking at risks and then talking them through with other underwriters. So you gained a lot of knowledge and learning um, in a really short space of time, which was just, which was just phenomenal and being able to learn from your peers. Um, so yeah, that was fantastic. And then some kind of six, seven years later, um, got the opportunity to work abroad, um, in Singapore and. And now I look back at it and I think, what, how on earth did I even do that? I mean, it was crazy when I think about it now, but it was such an amazing experience to, again, be in a different market and um, look at different risks. Um, yeah, just everything about it, like set yourself up in a different country and you know, all that that involves. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing experience.
1: And we're going to come back to it because I think a lot of people, one, want to get out, but then there's this big fear about how do I get back? And, and we'll sort yeah. of talk about that. But yeah. now in your current role, so um, what castle of business do you do? What kind of your role currently is? Yeah, so I'm a property underwriter um,
2: within Atrium. We, and I guess it's one of the things that I love about my job and why probably still 20 years later, I'm still an underwriter, still the same title. Um, but it's not something I've gained and learned so much knowledge and experience along the way. But I think what's exciting about underwriting is that it encompasses everything. You kind of have to, You have to be a marketer you have to go Mm -hmm. out and get brokers to come and bring it bring in business you have to be able to analyze the risks. you have to be able to price it think about what um, exposures there might be to Mm -hmm. that risk know how to price know how to negotiate on a price and know how to decline a risk if you don't want to write it and be able to say no um but then also looking at what new exposures there could be and i think it's just one of those jobs that you kind of you never stand still in it it's always evolving and developing um and that's what i love about it no day is the same no hour is the same you could have a broker sitting down one day with a risk from australia and then have something else in the caribbean the next day it could be a power risk um a refinery or a piece of um commercial um like retail so I love the fact that it covers such a broad spectrum and you have to have different skill sets as well uh, within it. And yeah, and I think the fact that you just end up keeping on learning. Um, and it's one thing that I would say is that never, ever stop learning because
1: um yeah. every day's a school day and you learn so much every day. I think that's the one thing that across insurance that people come in and I always hear young people going oh I'm here two months and I still don't fully understand I'm like to be honest with you I don't think many of us still do when we like good 20 years in we understand our own little field potentially a couple years in hopefully Um, but if you ever want to move across or things are constantly changing evolving products are changing especially as an underwriter you have to keep on thinking of it you are always learning it's never like oh yeah now I'm done <laughs> exactly absolutely and that's the thing and I think you know
2: if you want to continue to develop expand your knowledge it's why I constantly think of you need to still be reading the newspapers seeing what's going on at a global level in different countries because it all comes back to as well it can how affect the next risk that you see yeah. on your desk the next day and it's just it, but it's what I love about it because you kind of you get to do a little bit of everything within yeah. within an underwriting role and I absolutely love the trading environment in Lloyds we have brokers we're a kind of highly trans- transactional team so mm-hmm. it's a high lot of business high um high volume but yeah we're we've constantly got back-to-back meetings with brokers um and it is just that real buzz of the of the trading room which um which
1: I love
0: That's amazing
1: so for for well, those that know, you, you, most people I'm hoping that understand what who an underwriter is, you are a senior underwriter. Um, I do say always think of a TikTok day in life, they are quite popular. Um, so I appreciate every day is different. But, but if we were to kind of try and encompass thinking of explaining to someone simply what your role is and what does it, uh, and especially how does it differ? I'm an underwriter, I'm a senior underwriter. Um, could you talk us through your sort of an average day? An
2: average day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, an average day, I guess, is, you know, you come in, look in your inbox, see what um, what new submissions um, we've got in. It's definitely one thing that has has kind of changed, especially with since COVID and um, how we've all suddenly learned to work kind of flexibly in a hybrid way that you're now getting submissions in on email, whereas before it would, would have just been the queue at Lloyd's and mm. the broker queues. So, yeah, kind of seeing what new risks there are, of planning the day in terms of what meetings you've got what broker meetings it could be client presentations um we have a lot of um clients that come in and want to see and hear from senior underwriters Mm. and underwriters in the market um so looking at kind of what presentations we've got coming up what meetings we've got coming up um and then we normally tend to still i mean i feel like box hours have kind of obviously lengthened as well but we'd normally probably then do kind of box hours which is when brokers come in to to go through risks probably from about Eleven till till midday, and then back in and again for kind of the afternoon session. Um, so that's probably kind of a typical day. Um, but then obviously you get pulled in different directions in terms of looking at our um, our worldwide aggregates and looking at kind of our natural catastrophe exposures, um, and looking at um, at those and and more internal meetings along with other um, other teams. So like our um, exposure management team to see how our uh, how our risks are doing and exposures mm. are doing. Um, so, yeah, but that's probably a typical, typical day. I
1: like that. That's fine. And during the recent launch event, I asked um, the guests to write a question that they would like to ask during the podcast. One of the ones, I, I really like this one. And Whoever asks it, please, can you let me know? <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing about your job? I think... Um,
2: oh that's a really good question yeah that's what I thought question I the favorite thing about my job is um I guess the people the people that I get to work with mm. um especially my job share um I absolutely love working with her and working with the team that I do and um, but I think just the trading environment in Lloyd's, mm. like it's it's such a buzz it's I think like you know it's such a unique marketplace and there's nothing quite like it so I think that for me is probably the best part of my job, and you know the fact that I have been able to travel the world mm. um, and live abroad, which when I first started my career in insurance, I never ever would have thought that that would have been a possibility. And yet I've spent seven years in Singapore, and and actually now I'm sitting here doing a podcast as well, which I never thought I'd ever be doing.
1: But you know, so no, I think it's just it is such a great it's such a great job. Oh, brilliant! I, I love this question. This is definitely going to be coming up more. But you touched on the job share, and we kind of you know um hang the carrot here a few times that yeah. we're going to talk about job share um explain what what is the job share and how does it actually work
2: yeah so a job share um is essentially we have two people doing one role um, and that's split um, so that we each do three days each. We have a crossover day on a Wednesday. So I work the first part of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and my job share works Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and it's essentially, yeah, two people doing, filling one role. Um, and like I said, we we set it up back in, oh, probably actually now about six, seven years ago when I was moving back from Singapore. Um, it kind of, the idea came about whereby um, I was returning from Singapore, and there wasn't really a full-time position there. Mm-hmm. My colleague wanted to reduce her hours. And, and, you know, as a frontline underwriter, you want to be there for your for your brokers. And if you're not there, you're not writing business. And so it was one of the, the felt that we couldn't she couldn't reduce her hours. So the idea came about that we could come up with this job share. Um, and, you know, credit to Atrium, as opposed to turning mm-hmm. around and saying, no, this has never done, been done before, we're not going to do it. Um, they looked into it. Um, actually had to go to the civil service outside the industry to find a job contract Hmm. or a contract of employment for a job share. Um, And it was something they allowed us to trial for six months. um, And then some seven years later, we're still we're still doing it. And I think in a way, that's the only thing that's slightly disappointing is that there aren't more of them in in the industry. Um, It's it's
1: a real shame. It is a real shame. And and, um, when you told me about your job share situation in a coffee shop, I just I thought about it and I thought, Why there aren't many more? Because one of the things that I do talk about on this podcast, and I hope that inspires people listening to some of these podcasts, is the retention piece. So there's amazing work being done about attracting new talent; absolutely phenomenal work, and hopefully there's going to be a result. But the retention piece—I've read the statistics that between thirties and forties, we lose significant amount of talent in the insurance industry, female talent predominantly, Um, but not only, but predominantly. Yeah. Offering these kind of solutions, you're retaining talent, you're retaining knowledge, you know, two for one. Yeah, exactly. Two for <laughs> one. one. Yeah, yeah double cli- double clients, double brokers, two brains. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's a continuity for the business. I can't see what the challenge here is. No,
2: exactly. And I mean, you
1: know, we all talk about flexibly now,
2: especially since COVID. And, you know, you know the london lloyds insurance market before covid we, there was re- there wasn't really that mm. much flexibility around whereas actually we look at it and we're like we've been working flexibly for seven years yeah. but now everybody thinks about flexibility as hybrid of you know where am i where am i based or where am i working from and you know we've got to kind of start moving the lens and, and moving the optics on that and yes it works for us because we are two women but this could equally work for Ooh. any human that wants to work flexibly and and yeah. and you know and there's still passionate about their career and you know like you say the the benefits to the company as well that you know less burnout we both come in Mm. we're totally motivated we're committed Mm. we're determined to make it work um and you know that so many companies could 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 reap benefits from it that I'm that's almost what I'm sad about and weirdly it's one of those things that probably over the years we've been shy at almost saying and almost Mm. sometimes I've been embarrassed saying oh you know I only work as a job share or am I only working part time as a job share um, and again it's, a, it's switching the language on it losing the just or the only um, and being proud to talk more about it to share yeah. the message and because the only way we're going to potentially move the on it is if people learn more about it and through again education and, and sharing of knowledge and, and things that you know it hasn't you know we have had challenges we do still continue to have challenges but we're open and honest with each other about them and constantly communicating which then can only help us with that with the with the kind of process and journey
1: of of the job share i mean it is there's so many benefits and one i'll be keen to talk about how how you make your success but really um you know, there's that's great thing as well about atrium to actually go out of the way as you said to find a solution because there wasn't one in insurance and work with you both and then try and find a way incredible and that's when we talk about culture and we talk about um, diversity inclusivity that is a great example of actually company going beyond recognizing talent and then finding a solution that's not your typical solution um and yeah when i refer you you've you've said it it's sad there aren't that many so if there are we and it could be as you said people don't want to disclose it so please be proud and tell us exactly i'd love to we'd love to meet someone doing it
2: and or or again again share stories if suddenly this resonates with somebody that wants to that wants to to take a job share or or learn more about it or or put it into their position then I think you know we'd love to see more of them in the market because it's one way that we can shift the dial and you know how do we increase the talent pool or the the like widen that net of pool of talent is you know making it as flexible of people to work as possible it's one way that it can that it can that it can benefit kind of both companies and and individuals and like I said, not just women, and like we are two women yeah. do it, but it's, you know, humans that just want to work flexibly and want that
1: better work-life balance. That's right, that's right. And, and obviously you saw it sounds incredible, but I'm sure there are challenges around it. And what what kind of, what does it take to make it work? It is two people coming together, Brilliant. it is handing over. <laughs> what are the challenges, but also what what does it take to make it work?
2: I think um, I think definitely the challenges are the misconceptions, you know, you're potentially not taken as seriously. Um, people think that you're not as committed, um, and that's definitely a challenge that we've had to overcome. Because, you know, it's simply not true. I mean, we probably work harder and and more efficiently mm. because we're only there for part time. Well, part time, I say not part time, um, but because we're <laughs> only there for half a week. Um, but you know, some of the key things that are really important to make it work are trust and communication. The level of trust and communication that we have between each other. Is we have to operate seamlessly and mm-hmm. as if we are one person and if we didn't have that trust and communication it, it definitely wouldn't work Um things that kind of you know have helped is you know IT the fact that we have access to each other's diaries each other's emails you know so that we can again operate as one and offer that seamless service to our brokers because again if 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 we're not providing that service then then we're failing mm-hmm. um, but I think you know one of the challenges as well is that you could or one of the challenges that we were thinking is, are we going to lose our identity? Or are we going to be less visible?
1: Okay, um, yeah, I see
2: that. Because, mm. you know, you're only there half a week, mm. but we've definitely not seen that to be the case. Mm. Um, and, you know, we are ambitious about our careers. You know, a question that we get quite often asked is, well, aren't you just two part-timers? I say just because people say it and that yeah, says, yeah, yeah. But, you know, what's the difference between a job share and two part-timers? Um, but what I would say is that we are ambitious. We, are, we care about our careers and it's allowed us to progress our careers as well Mm. when we first started this it was the two of us in a job share we've now got an assistant that's helping us we're now managing um you know so our careers have actually grown as well as opposed to it kind of stalling um and i think yeah you know successful job sharers they kind of do go the extra mile we have to have determination you know the motivation to do it we have to be able to clearly communicate with each other we have to not always be competitive because we're competitive with each other it will break down so yeah. I think it's it's built a lot of our skill set as well in terms yeah. of you know the peer-to-peer conversations that we can have where we do actually challenge each other and bounce off each other but but that's also brilliant because you sometimes realize there are different ways of doing things yes yeah. um, but but also she's probably pushed me and I've definitely pushed her and you know that that in itself is
1: you know supporting each other for mm-hmm. us both to develop um, and progress. I think that competitiveness, whatever the pronunciation of that word is, um, competitiveness. Competitiveness. You know, that is an important one because for years, and I'm sure there are many underwriters out there that still is very much as my book, don't touch it, don't see it, don't look at it. You had to go, here are all my brokers, meet all of them and meet all my clients. That's quite counterintuitive to how it worked. In the past, definitely, right. and you
2: know, for us, and it was, it was probably I say easier for my colleague than it was for me because I was moving back from Singapore. Oh. I didn't know a lot of the brokers in the London market because I've worked at a direct reinsurance company mm. previously to um in London, and um, and so yeah, and it was one of those things that actually we talked a lot about what days of the week we're going to work, um and I still don't know how we ended up deciding splitting it how <laughs> we did, God knows, but um but actually it worked really well because my colleague had to be open and say mm. to our brokers you need to come in and see emma on a monday or a tuesday or a wednesday mm. because if they were waiting to see her on a wednesday we were we were failing because again it's she was like you can't wait to see me mm-hmm. um so actually having that openness and sharing the ropes and sharing the business and you know not being competitive um yeah it was it was the only way it was gonna it was going to work so um and it
1: like i said touched with some seven years later it, it has mm-hmm. and If this option wasn't there, do you think the two of you would have been still in the market? I mean, it's such a
2: great question because I know, um, as we all probably should do, and like you're saying with the statistic, I know so many people that have left the industry because of not having flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't know. And it's probably something that my manager did have to contemplate that it's Mm -hmm. actually, if we didn't try this solution, would he lose both of us? Would he lose one of us? Would, you know, um, I I honestly don't know. It's a tough question to ask. but, But I think, Coming back to one of the key things about making the job share work is actually having a really supportive manager that you know he's allowed us to one trial it, shown that it can work, and supported us through it, Mm and and having a supportive team as well. Um, So that's a really great question, and I I don't know because you know I love insurance. Of course, you've been been (laughs) tricked. actually see myself being out of the insurance market but but yeah you just you just don't know how how different it might have looked had we not have been able yeah. to, to trial it
1: yeah I know and I know, of course and so anyone that's listening and is going oh, I you know I really this this is it this this is how I'm going to retain my career and because I think that's another thing not necessarily leaving but potentially avoiding a long break in your career which not yeah. everyone wants to do it yeah um So if someone is listening, how do you start this conversation with your employer? I think, you know, as with any
2: kind of, um, my advice, I guess, to kind of start the conversation was almost do your research, come up with a plan, come up with a plan of how you think it would work, Mm. what you need to make it work. Mm. Um, You know, just think through look at examples, there's some great other examples in other industries where job shares have worked. And actually at a very senior level, I think there's two ladies who have hold one of the most senior positions in GCHQ um, as a job share. So, I mean, talking about smashing that glass ceiling of having senior executives in a job share role. um, But I would say, do your research, find examples of how you can make it work um, and how it has worked in either other positions similar or other industries similar, Um, and kind of, I guess the biggest thing for me is that it shouldn't be a solution to a problem. This should just be a viable alternative to filling yeah. a position. It shouldn't just be, oh, well, because of this reason, I want a job share. It should actually be, this is how we can make it work. This is the position I want to do. And I want the flexibility or I want this. But, but actually, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for me is probably put a proposal together, outlining how you can make it work, set some time up to be able to speak to your manager about it. Um, but be prepared with that conversation. Um, that would be the biggest thing for me. And also looking at it, I guess thinking about it more widely of what the impact could be on the wider team or the business. But as long as you've thought through the kind of argument for it, at least you're going in with a with a with a plan for it. Um, but on all I see, I would also say just just go for it. Have that conversation because what's the worst they can say? No. Um, but yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Or they end up trialing it and then yeah,
1: you so, are where you were before I I always say that is like go and ask where's where you are basically that's that's the fault and I love these the the advice you've given because that advice actually works for a lot of things right so whether you're negotiating a salary change job moving to another country I think a lot of people make a mistake of going I want to change go and offer it to me whereas you want that change so come with a solution yeah um don't oh, come with a problem come no with a solution. <laughs> yeah someone gave me a very good advice before when I was kind of thinking of getting promoted and I wanted to take on different projects and she said to me well do you have someone that can replace you because you're doing a great job have you identified someone in your company that can replace you I was like well how is that my job to find someone there? I want you to promote me yeah. she's like yeah but think about it if you come to me with a and and she was in my manager she was just she was my mentor she was explained to me so if you come to your manager and go you know I've trained this person up i think they're ready for you know uh, promotion i think that would be fantastic this is how they can do it and also i know you have the problem over there how about i go and fix that problem and you give me promotion that's a very different conversation to me turning up going Yeah, it's been three years, what are you going to do about it? Yeah,
2: yeah, like, hang on a bit, where's my promotion? Like, yeah, this is what I want now, as opposed to, yeah, the kind of bigger picture of it, of, yeah, of how it can, how you can make it work. Yeah. yeah, It's a different conversation to have.
1: Yeah, And I love what you said, this is not a, for many at the beginning, it will be a solution to a problem, but actually it could just be another offer, not just, it could be another offering that a company has to retain their their staff yeah exactly uh, i mean i'd love to
2: see and like i said this isn't just for us as women want to no. do this' it, it's for humans wanting to work flexibly yeah. and i think you know the biggest perception again is probably that people just say oh well it works for that role but it wouldn't work for me or it wouldn't work for us and it yeah. would not work for this company or it wouldn't work at a senior level and you know there are examples of it in in very senior positions at kind yeah. of c-suite levels or people are are in job shares and and you know in the current situation with with, you know, mental health, you know, burnout and everything, it helps. Like I come in on a Wednesday and I'm just so excited to one see my job share, but also like she brings in a whole new vibrance halfway oh. through the week and um and it's, and it works. And she's obviously kind of hitting the ground running halfway through the week and got a
1: different energy, um, which is, which is just great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm, I did say we have a lot to go through, and I was like, how do I squeeze all this in? But this is, this is really great. And I think if anyone wants to find out and learn a little bit more, uh, oh, yeah. they can reach out Definitely and have a bit out. more chat yeah. about it. Um, but the, the, the topic that I really also wanted to try and get us onto, which we may have to sort of squeeze <laughs> it a little bit, um, is your Singapore opportunity. And, and it does segue to the point you've said, how do I start that negotiation? How did the Singapore opportunity come along? Um, oh, I've got to be
2: honest. I mean, I was basically following, I was going for love, I think. It was <laughs> the hardest thing. That's <laughs> a good, good point. I've got to say. Yeah. Um, my now husband was moving out there with, um, with, a, with a role. Um, again, it was only supposed to be six months. Um, realized in that six months, it was going to be longer, at which point I spoke to my company and said, was there a possibility that I could go out there? Because they had mm. an office out there um and allowed it to happen and but yeah i would say that um it's been a fantastic experience um we were only supposed to be there for two years some seven years later we were still there um and it was just great to experience different market yeah. um different risks different accounts different way of doing business um so yeah it was it was
1: an amazing experience but again, you touched on that. You went and asked, right? I did. And And you said, "This is my situation. How can we make this work?" Yeah. And I think it's not. It wasn't an expectation. It's going to work. It was how can we make it work? Yeah. And this is, you know, what can we do about it? Which I think is so crucial. How how different? And again, this could be a whole episode about this. this probably could. Be. <laughs> uh, and it's simply my personal thing, right? Because I was, I that is my one of my ambitions. To one day live in Singapore. Um, and so I'm personally very interested in this, I may have to park some of my <laughs> questions for my personal conversation. But, um, you know, how different is Singapore is or is it different to London market? Um it's
2: different than London market in the sense that it's a lot less of a trading environment. Right. Um so in terms of kind of, I guess, the insurance market, there is a lawyer's platform there, there's syndicates there, which, um, but it's a lot more, um, it's probably a lot more done on emails, mm. and less phone calls. Um, but so that that was, sorry, that's probably the only I would say kind of difference. Um so the the kind of, business is traded differently to how Mm -hmm. how it is here and and what i'm used to here um the business language is english everything is done in english so Mm -hmm. it makes it very easy to be able to kind of move there and Mm -hmm. and adapt um so yeah that's the only thing though i would say that is very different is the is the is the trading environment Um, Mm. and yeah when i look back now the fact that i kind of i mean i did go there for love but the fact that what i've gained and um, benefited from being there Um, and just experiencing you know a different culture a different way of doing business Um, I feel like it's only now when I look back and I realize probably what I have learned in terms of resilience you know setting up Mm. in a new country having to deal with the fact that your family are on the other side of the world um, your friends become your family very quickly um, but realizing how kind of how strong you are you realize what you know when you're taking out of your comfort zone and being Mm -hmm. put into a different situation um you really do there are so many skills that you learn without probably even thinking about it at the time and it's only now when you look back and reflect you think oh actually one yeah i maybe did know more than what i knew to go out there and put skills into practice in a different different environment in a different market different brokers um when i look right now it really did push me outside my comfort
1: zone (laughs) It's amazing we don't reflect enough don't and we don't me. do enough of like well hang on I, that that was pretty cool. What are you doing exactly.
2: Exactly. We definitely do and you know and it's it is so true because some it's not till you sometimes stop in your career and reflect. Um and I kinda did it recently I guess having celebrated kind of twenty years in the industry mm. that you look back and you think oh, well, I'm not the same person, and I have learnt more. Mm. And even if um, I loved in one of your other podcasts, somebody was saying about how don't let your title define you. Yeah. And that's still the same now with, you know, being new to your career, but even being kind of older in your career that, you know, I still have the same title, but I have developed, I'm doing things differently. I'm, I've am i learnt more, I'm not that same person. Um, but it's, Yeah, sometimes you need to kind of take stock and take a step back Mm. and look back, whether it be kind of in the last two years, the last five years, and look at how far you have come and what you have developed and what skills you've learned and what knowledge you've gained and the network that you've grown from it. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's fantastic. And just closing that Singapore conversation, I do hear people going, I would love to go somewhere, but um, how do I ever come back? What was what's the kind of key is it the network like how does that work on coming back that is a big fear of it's a real, lot of people right it
2: really is and especially because i was coming back to the uk i mean i had changed jobs at that point mm. so i was coming back with a different company we were coming back to a different part of the uk but you kind of think oh well i'm coming back to what i know it's the uk it's where mm. i lived previously so you think it's going to be easy um and again it's not because you've changed the market's changed brokers have changed accounts have changed and um, And you're kind of it was harder than probably what again i thought or appreciated at the time Mm. but the power of the network i mean talking with people or reaching out to people that had either been through it recently had moved back themselves or just regaining your network of people that had moved back from maybe singapore to london um, and gaining their advice and knowledge and um, and help with it and i think you know It's funny because we probably didn't really used to call it networking. Maybe I I don't know what we called it, but (laughs) I think you know it is good to think about who is in your network because the power of the network is so strong. And that's again not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective as well. And you know, who did I suddenly need to support on if I was having a bit of a bad day or I needed help with something? Or and again, personally and professionally. And I think you know sometimes we take for granted probably our network, and actually it is. It is worth assessing and just reaching out to more people because I feel like the more you, the greater the network, the more knowledge you gain. Again, the more advice you mm-hmm. get, the more experience you gain, and also knowing that you have something to share as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so I would say the network helped helped incredibly. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, really did. Um, and you know, I think one of the things with networking is also, and I, I mean, I. I'm an introvert and I probably hate the thought of networking and pushing myself out my comfort zone, but you know, it does help you grow, develop, Mm. learn, um, and also continue to be inquisitive. And again, kind of coming back to maybe my underwriting, underwriting um, role is that, you know, I just continue to be inquisitive for that, Mm. for that reason, because you do learn, grow and
1: develop. I think it's um, networking is an interesting one because I used to cringe of the thought of networking. And then now I kind of that, that inquisitive side, that's was my big mindset shift of like networking is just basically trying to meet people and find out about their lives or careers. If you think of it that way, it's much easier than networking. Like I need to prove myself and I need to get business. Yeah. Yeah. Very different.
2: Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) definitely. And it's again, it's like the, you know, like you said, it's shifting that lens, it's shifting that optics Mm -hmm. um, and focus and thinking about it Oh, okay well I might I may get to know this person and and learn something from them and, mm. and I again I may have something to share that they're interested in and not thinking about this whole scary thing and again putting that pressure on yourself of, of going into it in a in a different way than what you would do if you think mm. about it as as you know
1: there are positives to to gain from it yeah definitely are all right well we always I always wrap up with and we've touched on quite of those things I'm kind of a like, I I kind of know what you're going to say <laughs> but you know that's how we wrap up here is um one thing and no one yet has been able to name one but you're welcome to name one or go into a few that you know you've got to experience thanks to insurance thanks to being in the industry what would that be
2: i think the one thing i mean again it is so difficult to narrow it down to one thing <laughs> i mean um I mean the one thing is definitely the opportunity to travel and mm. the fact that i got to live and work abroad which again like i said when i started my career i never ever would have thought would have been even possible um but you know traveling with work going to see different risks um yeah living and working abroad the amount of times i've put steel toe caps a hard hat and a high-vis jacket on, going <laughs> kind of going around to do some site some site visits um i'd never have thought that i would have had mm. that opportunity in insurance and it just it makes you realize though as well that there are so many different opportunities in insurance and it's not just underwriting, it's not just broking, there's so many different parts to it in terms of the risk management side of it, you know, the analytical side of it, the um, actuarial side, of it, the marketing side mm. of it, there's just so many different elements to it which is why insurance is such an amazing industry um, and why I feel so fortunate to, to have had a and happy having a career in it and I can't wait to kind of see where this, where
1: this chapter or, or time goes next. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and we can probably talk forever. <laughs> um, so it's been it's been really lovely and, and thank you thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at Hundred Women in Insurance. Rate a podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We will love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.